Hi, and welcome to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast, a show where we talk about movies and, well, more movies. I'm D-Man, joined by CP, and we have another great episode of the podcast in store for you guys. CP, how are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you doing? Fantastic. I actually have quite a few shout-outs this week, which was great to see, and I'm glad that people are really enjoying the show. Last week's was a lot of fun, CP. I actually did end up watching 500 Days of Summer on Valentine's Day. So. Yeah, I got to enjoy, you know, my favorite rom-com, according to my list, So, which was really great. Hopefully, all of our listeners, hope you guys had a good Valentine's Day, Galentine's Day, Steak and a BJ Day, I don't know. Singles but, Awareness Day, whatever. Yeah, day. however you celebrate, hope you had fun. But I'll go ahead and jump into our shout-out. Up first is uh, at Boone, who said, D-Man, just listen to the podcast, love the shout-out, and damn, what fun for CP, Return of the Jedi is one of my favorite Star Wars movies. Boone, it was awesome. Thank you for listening. Boone, I'd love to see how you rank the Star Wars movies because you said it's one of your favorites. I mean, I would put it at probably number three, but I won't get into all that. (laughs) Boone also did go on and list a bunch of rom-coms that he enjoys that we didn't really talk about. He listed Serendipity, Palm Springs, The Big Sick, Crazy Stupid Love, which I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of. Crazy Rich Asians, which was great. I actually really like that movie. Yeah, it was really funny. Can't Buy Me Love. Love Actually, which probably shows up on most rom-com lists if you Google them. And then The Wedding Singer. So, and that's something we didn't we didn't really go in on, CP. We, we didn't really talk about the Adam Sandler movies. You know, he has kind of a slate of rom-coms himself. Wedding yeah. Singer, 50 First Dates, and a couple other ones. Just go so, with it, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he kind of has his own subgenre there (laughs) that he's working in. And then interestingly, he listed Scott Pilgrim versus the world, a romantic action comedy Mm. and one of his favorites, which that's kind of a cool variation on, you know, the rom-com. Next in our shout outs is at Giraffe65, which is Ivor. He said in response to National Pizza Day post that you did, CP, that he likes pastrami pizza, extra pickles. Okay. I've never had pastrami pizza and I don't know where you would get one. Yeah, I don't. I would totally eat it though i'd check it out though yeah Matt Nelson, absolutely not though because he hates pickles <laughs> yeah well Probably he hates me too yeah he hates everything that's great next up in our shout outs is my friend chocolate who said dude you mentioned vision quest in your podcast i used to watch that movie religiously when i was when i was wrestling in high school lol yeah uh, vision quest like i said I, I think last week i mentioned i was like i don't know if i've seen that one well i went back and googled it and i know exactly what movie you're talking about chocolate i'm glad you're listening to the show and enjoying the podcast but more than that hope you got a chance to go back and rewatch vision quest uh, next up is Eric Drucker, who said, did you guys see this or even know about this? I had no idea about this. I just saw it and it's awesome. What, what is, this? is this? What is it? Yeah, Eric Drucker, thank you for sharing. It was actually a uh, cold open to a cable premiere of Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. And this cold open was hosted by Darth Vader himself with the what? Imperial March playing. Yeah. So Drucker sent us this on Twitter, which we will retweet it. And if you're interested in actually seeing the video, you could check it out there. It was pretty cool. And I always love when people share Star Wars tidbits, media, or things that I've never seen because... Well, I've seen a lot of them. <laughs> That's true. I've never seen that either. I can't wait to check it out on Twitter. That's pretty crazy. And finally, for shout outs at Bad Cop Show. This is interesting, CP. It's kind of a different shout out this week. And I'm, I'm interested in what our listeners think about this. So I'll go ahead and read it and then we can discuss a little bit. All right. Hi, my name is Chaim. I'm a filmmaker promoting my new series. Was wondering if you would be interested in having me on as a guest. I could help promote you as well on my channel. First of all, clearly he's doing a little bit of a like a shameless plug here, but I kind of respect it because why not? 
to you and to our listeners, would you guys be interested in us bringing on a guest to either talk about one of their upcoming projects or their career or different aspects of filmmaking, maybe even some movies that they love? Throwing it out there, figured I'd go ahead and read the, uh, you know, go ahead and read the comment and see what you guys think. CP, I don't think you would really like having our show taken over by a guest. Yeah, I'm curious to see what the what the audience has to say. Let's leave it at that. Well, then I'm worried about losing my job here. You might bring this guy in as co-host number two, and then I'm, yeah. I'm done. You'll just nudge me out of the way. Yeah, that's what's going to happen, man. Well, speaking about losing your job, I one of our topics this week is about AI and artificial intelligence, particularly when it comes to writing and script writing. Damn it, man. <laughs> I thought we had so, like 10 more years till we had to fight off Skynet. I know. And, and here's the thing. Particularly right now, the hot buzzword is chat GPT, and that's in reference to a chatbot AI that can actually provide contextual results based on the prompts that you give it, which is quite impressive considering where AI was 10 years ago, which was basically just science fiction, at least on a consumer level, right? Yeah, true. The questions that we're going to bring up, though, and what we're really looking at is what are the what are the implications of having AI write you, say, a screenplay? So, for instance, does that eliminate a lot of screenwriter jobs? How are people going to use this tool? Is it going to make screenwriters better? Maybe it totally could enhance what screenwriters are capable of doing, and especially the speed of it. Mm -hmm. I think right now, it's still in a very limited phase. The idea that a chatbot is going to replace a writer at this moment in time is very unlikely. It could help you get like a first draft. It could help you find some inspiration. It could help you write character bios, but more than likely, you're going to have to edit that screenplay. You are going to have to put in the work on top of that to get the creative piece of work that you really want. CP, in our pre-production meeting, you kind of raised some interesting questions around what could happen with AI in the writing space. And those are interesting because no one knows yet how all of this is going to shake out, how people are going to rule. I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know you actually played around with it. I, I only have minimally. It seems like, as you mentioned, it's, it's very amateur and its ability to, to write sophisticated. Yes. Um, obviously as AI technology evolves that, that will change. But I think sometimes when new technology comes out, we get a little ahead of ourselves and think, oh my gosh, the world's changing. And that's not always necessarily the case. One of the first things that I would point to is what about guilds? Obviously the Writers Guild is very powerful. We have seen them take action as one of the most powerful forces within the industry a couple times over the last two decades as Writers Guild mandates have forced the industry to transform. You know, the, the Writers Guild could come down very heavily on studios and prohibit the acceptance of AI written content, solely AI, portionally written by AI. And it could even go to the extent that maybe films written by AI are no longer eligible for the Academy Awards, right? Yeah, or for that matter, maybe even copyright protection. We don't know yet how courts and laws that will be passed will affect the outcome of, of these scripts. You know, you might be able to have AI generate the next big action block 
blockbuster and you get some really cool characters, you know, in the vein of, say, Indiana Jones or Jason Bourne. You create a new action franchise around this AI generated script. But at the end of the day, you don't actually own the copyright or any of the licensing to this specific thing. Other people can take it and make their own version of Jason Bourne. You know, another studio can make their own variation. Yeah, maybe we rule that, hey, if you're going to use AI, it's open to everyone. Yep. Which that would be interesting. I mean, imagine that you create some really cool thing and then other studios can just do their own variation on it. Considering that, especially in, in this day and age, IP is the true power in Hollywood, right? That is the content that studios want. The ability to take existing IP, repurpose it, repackage it, turn it into action figures and theme parks and everything. If at some point this AI regulation, which will come, yeah. all new technology is eventually regulated. Right now, we're just in the Wild West phase. The European Union has already started limiting what realms of data AI has access to. At some point, more regulations will be ruled out. But if it is exempt from copyright protection and you can't truly profit off it the way that you could with IP that is wholly created and people have made a lot of money off Star Wars, D-Man. Right. I mean, Disney paid a lot just to you know, bring it into their arsenal here, like $4 billion, which is uh, nothing to scoff at. More than that, I, I think you look at something like you said, so you have the writer's guilds and you may have this sense that like, if you're using AI generated scripts or screenplays, you aren't eligible for the Academy Award. You might find a lot of really talented actors won't take projects that were AI written because they would no longer qualify for that sort of recognition for their performance. And as you mentioned, there are the actual guilds. So that may not be necessarily a personal choice for some of these actors. To be a member of the guild, they may prohibit them from working on projects that use AI-generated scripts. And then obviously with the Writers Guild, I'm assuming this will come to pass, but that you, know, you won't be able to claim ownership in the Writers Guild if you just use an AI to write your movie. Yeah. I'm assuming that will happen. That seems pretty sure. No, you bring up a good example. And for studios, what is the benefit? And that's what it's going to come down to. If the cost is you save $50,000 on hiring writers on a film, the trade-off is you lose access to IP protection. You know, it's no longer eligible for the prestigious aspects of, of content creation. It, it may even be sort of blacklisted within the truly artistic portion of the community, kind of like in the same way Scorsese and Tarantino have come down really hard on the quote-unquote Marvel formula of movie making. Mm -hmm. We might see a shift away from the easier route. Yeah, and you have to wonder how much money that would actually save. I mean, I can't think in the long run it would be worth getting rid of writers, correct? I wouldn't think so. And I think the other thing goes down to a lot of time when we think about AI, right? And you've talked about this. We, we think it's sort of the end all and be all. But AI is really good at select traits. It isn't capable of doing everything human beings can do. Yeah. What it does really well is it analyzes data and it makes comparisons and it groups things super, super fast. AI is good at replicating existing information and categorizing. It's not necessarily good at creating. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not content. creative. Yep. And it, it certainly can't draw inspiration from the pain that somebody felt from an experience. You could tell it about your experience, but it doesn't know that pain. It doesn't know what somebody went through. That's rightfully so, a wholly human experience. And it's one of the reasons that, you know, uh, we enjoy works of art as much as we do, because it's that shared human experience 
experience. And so when you add AI into the mix and you're taking the human element out of the writing, it does make you wonder to what degree will humans actually connect with those works of art? And B, if you know we can ever mine the depth of feeling that humans have when it comes to very specific things. Yeah. Seems unlikely. Yep, I agree. So I think writers don't don't fret. I don't think your jobs are in jeopardy the way, you know, some of the headline articles are are declaring. I do, however, think AI, and like you said, I've messed around with chat GPT. I do think it actually can be a tool for writers, though. There is an opportunity to toss around ideas and maybe gain some inspiration. It can provide you some outlines. It can summarize things for you. It can format things for you. That type of stuff might be useful. Now, would that disqualify somebody from, say, getting an award? I don't know. But I do think it could be useful and can definitely speed up some of the the time gaps that exist for writers. As you present it that way, it's almost like I feel the same art argument probably happened in the 80s when there was a shift away from typewriter technology to PC technology, right? Yeah. The argument was, hey, it's a PC. Look, it can format it. I can delete and write faster. But there were still probably people holding on to the fact that it was different and it didn't count and it was a shortcut, right? Yeah. When you frame it that way, you're like, no, it's really just a tool enhancing your ability to do what you're already doing. And as a creative and an innovative human being, you can work smarter instead of harder. And that isn't that at the end of the day, isn't that the end goal for all this technology anyway? Helps you work smarter, not harder. I think if it if it is used in that manner, then it can be very beneficial for writers. You know, if you don't fight against it after this conversation, I agree. I don't think we're going to be watching blockbuster movies written by AI chatbots. I just don't think so. We don't know for sure what limitation, you know, we talked about limitation from the government side, but OpenAI is co-founded by Elon Musk, who has been a very outspoken critic of artificial intelligence. How do we know that there won't be more regulations put on the, the technology from the creator saying, okay, it's not, a, you know, we don't want it to be moving into these realms. You know, what's interesting too, though, is like, what if AI ends up writing like amazing stories? What if uh, we're like, damn, I want more of that. And we end up going the other way where we're not rejecting AI stories as lesser than we're actually like, this shit is awesome. Oh, then apparently all we're going to do is sit at home, live off our UBI and watch AI generated content for the rest of our lives. <laughs> I don't want to dig dig too deep into that one, CP. But <laughs> I will say, I mean, who knows? You know, like what if like one of the AI chatbots ends up being like a fantastic writer and we're like, damn it, if, if these movies aren't just amazing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd give it a shot. I'd love to see what AI would come up with. Because who knows, eventually, like right now we're talking about AI generating words, right? Writing scripts. Who knows? Eventually it might generate its own videos. Like, yeah, maybe. I don't know what they'll be capable of 10 years from now. So, you know, we're still in the uh, early stages of AI. Writers, I, I will throw out there. I think your jobs are safe. I don't think, I think if you use it as a tool rather than something to actually just write your script, it can probably be very helpful. But to any of our writers out there, let us know your thoughts. Are you worried about AI taking your job? Have you used it? Do you see it as a complimentary tool in your toolkit? Or is it Skynet, the enemy? Oh, it's probably Skynet. Skynet is coming <laughs> for us at some point. Well, all right, CP, that'll end the discussion on chat GPT. We'll throw that one to the listeners and see what people have to say on it now. And maybe we'll pick that up again if there's any major changes or we find out that like Avatar 2 was written by a chap. But... <laughs> 
Speaking of new content, now I, I'm not bringing this up because I want to piss you off, but I feel it will nonetheless. James Gunn has announced the new slate of DC films that he plans on, you know, using in his DCEU or his shared universe with DC Comics characters. Now, I'm going to throw this over to you because I know you're very passionate about DC. And they have gotten some stuff right, some stuff wrong. We actually kind of talked about this a little bit when you went on your James Gunn rant last time. But what are your thoughts on the new lineup, on the new slate? It's interesting. No, it's terrible. And it's mostly because of James Gunn. Wish that guy would just quit, get fired, or, I don't know, become a monk. Something so he's not making content. Well, here's the thing. He, he did have a lot of success over in Marvel. And he's essentially taken on the Kevin Feige role over at... DC and Warner Brothers. He has a slate of films here. Now, it is a little weird because some of them, they're kind of like no-brainers. And then other ones, you're like, what is that doing there? Mm -hmm. So should we just run let's, through it? Let's just go through it. I think that's the best way to get into this. Okay, so first up, we have what, what looks to be an animated, seven-episode animated series called Creature Commandos. Now, I don't know. I honestly don't know what this is in reference to. Um, it's an old book series. It's an old series of comic books, like not that old, but I've never read it. I do have my friend John is a big fan and he's really psyched about it. So we'll see. Okay. It's a, it's a seven episode animated series and it's written by James Gunn. Obviously he has contributed to the DCEU before in the form of Suicide Squad. Some of the characters that spawned out of that. Him as a, a writer on this. I mean, does that get you excited? Did you like Suicide Squad? I mean, I know we did a movie remake time on it. Let me, a few let me episodes ask you, D-Man, how many movies has Kevin Feige written? Zero. Yeah. He's just the producer. Exactly. I think sometimes we run into a problem when one creative person wears all the hats on a project uh, mm. because they don't okay. get the necessary creative friction. There's no gotcha. one telling James Gunn no. And I think if he's going to be the guy calling the shots, then he he's got to be the no guy saying no. Yeah. Other people's stuff. Yeah. So that's okay. my first problem with, with this going forward. Okay, what else do we have? So next up is a spinoff on Gunn's own HBO Max Peacemaker, which came out of Suicide Squad. And that's a uh, a show called Waller. So I don't know. I, I, this is somebody who's actually been a part of the DCEU since the very beginning, correct? You can go all the way back to the original Suicide Squad. I think that's when, yeah, I think that's when she was introduced. Viola Davis is returning I don't know what I think about this because I'm not 100% sure that I really liked that character at all. She was kind of ruthless and, you know, kind of seemed to be the uh, Nick Fury of the DCEU, sort of pulling some strings from behind the curtain. But does she need her own show? Obviously, Amanda Waller is very central to lots of the happenings within the DC universe. In the comic books, you know, cinematically. I think my issue more of is if James Gunn wants this to be a fresh start and a clean break from everything that existed before, why don't we go full on fresh start and clean break? Yeah. Because this is Which... forcing us to acknowledge that now by proxy, Black Adam and both the Suicide Squads and all these other things are still tied to this cinematic universe in some way. Isn't it weird that of all the things that got disconnected and cut off, he uh, definitely kept Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. You mean he kept all the stuff that he made? Wow, that's so weird. Yeah. That's so weird. Well, wonder so... why he did that. I don't know. I, for me, that show's probably going to be a thumbs down. I don't think I'll be checking that out unless either the trailer looks phenomenal or they make it an important cog in the overall DCEU machine. Just doesn't interest me. 
But next up does interest me. And I think it'll interest you too, CP. And that is Superman Legacy. Oh, you mean you mean the 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 Superman reboot, even though it's I, not a reboot. It's not a reboot. They are recasting Superman. But again, I want to acknowledge this is being written by James Gunn, as well as possibly he might direct it. I hope he gets butt cancer. <laughs> I like so literally what you're telling me is this is just James Gunn take on the DC universe. Oh wait, but he already wrote a wrote a Superman movie, didn't he? Bring it up every time, Brightburn, and it was sucked. Yeah, that was the neck the Netflix movie, right? No, it came out in theaters, but it was about bad Superman. Yeah, I remember the movie. I just thought it was a streaming movie. I didn't know it was in the theaters. All right, well, let me go ahead and read you the description. So it says, it it's not an origin story. It focuses on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing, which doesn't sound unique at all. It sounds like oh, Superman. Oh, sounds exactly like every Superman movie we've yeah. ever seen. Oh, but it's totally new and different. He is the embodiment of truth, justice, and the American way. He is kindness in a world that thinks that kindness is old-fashioned. And then that was it. All right, I'll give him that last line is, is relevant because we haven't really had the kind of old school look at Superman really since like the Richard Donner movies. So that's kind of interesting. It sounds like it's much more of a of a nod back to I mean they tried to play into that with Superman Returns a little bit. Wasn't that technically supposed to be like a sequel? I think so. Just wasn't very good. God Quest for Peace was awful. <laughs> but all right next up in the the lineup is lanterns which it apparently is going to be a tv series not a movie and our vision for this is very much in the vein of true detective that's interesting totally seemed a little weird however hbo max has been kind of floating this lantern concept for a couple of years now now here's here's the real quick this is the line that really got me with this and this is why i'll check out lanterns this plays a really big role in leading into the main story we are telling across film and TV, which is great because that makes it sound like there is a main story that's being told, you know, one that's bigger than any individual project. See, that tagline is what Waller doesn't have. They're basically like, if you want to enjoy the DC stuff, you need to see this, of which I will watch that. And I'm interested, you know, the whole true detective take is interesting to me. Like if you watch the Marvel shows over on Disney Plus, they seem rather cookie cutter. The only one, the exception being maybe WandaVision, which was playing around with the sitcom genre. Otherwise, you know, they look like regular old Marvel fare. So I'm interested to see a terrestrial based true detective. Sounds <laughs> yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So next up is The Authority. It's a movie based Ooh. on a team of superheroes with rather extreme methods of protecting the planet. One of the things of the DCEU is that it's not just a story of heroes and villains. Not every film and TV show is going to be about good guys versus bad guys, giant things from the sky. There are white hats, black hats, and gray hats. They are kind of like Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men. They know that you want them on the wall, or at least they believe that. Now, so what, okay. what's your take you on ever, that? Have you ever read The Authority? No, I have not. Okay. It's kind of like, in some ways, the Watchmen on steroids. Okay. And what I mean is... It's a good pitch. I'd check uh, that out. Alan Moore wrote The Watchmen, these very complicated characters dealing with their own sorts of traumas and wounds and, and much more mature than most comic book characters go. They're like that, but they're even more powerful. In fact, I know there's an issue of the authority where I think they fight God. So <laughs> okay. their powers are so, <laughs> and, and this is from a Superman fan, their powers are so beyond the realm of, of, of the rest of the DCU. It seems like such a stretch at something kind of outside the mainstream stream for me fight god that's yeah <laughs> oh wow i, I might want to see that so next <laughs> up is 
Paradise Lost. They describe this as a Game of Thrones style drama set on the all-female island that is Wonder Woman's birthplace. How do you say that? Themyscira. Themyscira, filled with political intrigue and scheming between power players. I would absolutely check that out. Especially if they keep Gal for it. No, it's it says it's a prequel. So I don't know if she'll even have been born in this case, but I like the idea. I mean, they did a good job pitching it with the whole like Game of Thrones style. Now, I'll, I'll admit, I've never watched Game of Thrones. You know, I would be interested in a drama that is maybe, I don't know, they're actually vying for a throne. But DC, but like bloody and sex. Well, and, and depending on how far back they go, it could actually be really cool between the old gods, the Atlanteans, the Amazons. There's lots of cool stuff. Okay, so next up, The Brave and the Bold, which is a Batman and Robin story. Now, CP, what do you know about this? Well, I know it's based on the line. Personally, not a fan, just because we already got this whole, you know, Matt Reeves Batman thing going, and and I really, I don't know why we need to pull another Batman. This is James Gunn's quote of The Brave and the Bold. He says, this is the introduction of the DCU Batman, so apparently Batman proper. And he says, of Bruce Wayne, and also introduces our favorite Robin, Damian Wayne, who is a little son of a bitch. It's a very strange father and son story. I mean, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> what do you think? All right. I mean, first of all, CP, let's get let's get your take on the Batman really quick. I mean, we don't have to do a, a total rewind here, but I mean, did you like the Matt Reeves directed Batman? Would you care if that was Batman Prime or I, proper? I think that if that was Batman Prime, that would totally work well for what we have. They've established the new tone. They've established a, a very distinct style. Fans enjoyed it. So I have to ask you then, why in the world are we going to have two Batmans? Again, I'm going to get to the point <laughs> that if we're going to have two Batmans, why aren't we having two Supermans or Wonder Womans or whatever and just continue with the damn Snyderverse, please? I don't know why you would want two variations. Now, I know Batman's very popular and obviously I think as a character can carry two different variations. Well, I think it's more from a political perspective, whereas if he kills the Matt Reeves, the Batman, fans are going to lose their minds. Next up on this list is actually the Batman sequel which doesn't have much information about it but does not take place in the dcu i'm going to we're not really going to talk about that then because you know we're also not going to talk about the flash and aquaman and shazam 2 and all that those aren't a part of this new slate after that though we have booster gold an hbo max series based on a unique lesser known hero created in 1986 of which i'm actually really psyched because i love booster gold all right can you tell us a little bit about that because (laughs) i don't know who that is is that a person Yeah, Booster Gold, he actually travels from the future into the past and he uses future technology to be a superhero. But he's kind of like, he's kind of a cornball. Like he's he's a funny character and he's entertaining. And, And actually it's very much in the style of how Gunn writes. Okay, now would you be okay if he wrote that one? I'd give him Booster Gold, that would be fine. But not Superman? No. Okay, well next up is Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. And it says... Taking its cues from the recent Tom King written mini miniseries, this movie promises a different take than m- what most think of when Superman's cousin comes to mind. We will see the difference between Superman, who was sent to Earth and raised by loving parents from the time he was an infant, versus Supergirl, raised on a rock, a chip off of Krypton, and who watched everyone around her die and be killed in terrible ways for the first 14 years of her life. It sounds kind of dark. I'm actually psyched about it. They haven't really done Supergirl justice in any way. There was in the okay. 80s that Superwoman movie, which is really bad. So I do think it's the the right time to give the character her her film premiere. Okay. That, I mean, that's interesting. Like, 
almost a juxtaposition to the the premise or itch for the Superman legacy movie where, you know, yeah, he, he has kindness in a time that doesn't appreciate that. Right. She's not, she's kind of the antithesis of the, of that. Next up we have Swamp Thing. And here we go a different direction, a horror film that promises to close out the first part of the first chapter of the DCU. Okay, That's I, interesting. I, They're going I, horror here. I don't understand it. When they watched launch DC Universe, the streaming service, from which we got some amazing series, Doom Patrol, Titans, one of the initial series was Swamp Thing. And it was actually amazing. Okay. Fans loved it. They ended up cutting the series short and canceling it because apparently it wasn't viable enough for the general public. So I don't know why they're diving back into Swamp Thing when you had a very successful Swamp Thing prototype of what it should look like. Okay. Now, it says it's closing out the chapter. I, I got to ask you, what do you think about not having an Avengers-style team-up film? Because it doesn't seem like these projects cross over too much. They're sharing a world, so we might see hints of things, right? Like Wayne Enterprises, or there might yeah. be things, but it doesn't sound like they're actually really crossing over. And they don't have like an assemble style where everybody actually does come together. It Good seems weird. Decision, to bad decision. Again, it's probably because he's going to get way too much flack if he says he's outright making any Justice League movie in three years. So they're going to lay the groundwork, you think. And depending on the success of the varying shows, they'll probably determine how they want to do that team-up movie. The other thing is, I don't know that they know for sure what people they've been wanting their Justice League, right? Well, they don't have Wonder Woman here. There's no hint of Aquaman anywhere. Uh, how are they going to do that? I mean, a decision hasn't been made regarding the Ezra Miller flash, if there's going to be sequels. So there's a lot up in the air where they're probably not sure who the cast of characters that they can even put in the Justice League are. Right. And the way the main sevens change throughout the years. Yeah, obviously, just like the Avengers, I mean, or any teams, you know, X-Men, there's an original team, but all kinds of variations, Guardians, all of them. So something to take note of is I think in the MCU, just worth noting, they call their their phases, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three. I got the, it looks like from this article that they are calling these chapters. Kind of cool, I guess. A little bit different. Not just straight copying the MCU here. Been off the MCU. Something else that I like from this announcement is that they seem very invested in both films and TV. I feel like in the MCU, the films are still Driving the gold standard. Right. The series are kind of an afterthought. Right. They're a little bit more in-depth on some of these kind of side characters. Right. But the films are where all the money's made. It's where they're they're pushing the overall MCU narrative there. Here, it sounds like they're splitting it between film and TV. Yep. And that each will kind of carry somewhat equal weight. So that's interesting. That is interesting. So do you have HBO Max? Of course. Okay. Because I'm assuming everything's coming to HBO Max, which is good. I would think so for, for their brand and for making sure it's all in one place. Yeah, that's probably a smart move. Any final thoughts? I know, do you have anything you want to say to James Gunn? Do you mean other than the fact that I wish that he got butt cancer? No, no. Um, anything no, not, else besides not, that? Not really, man. My biggest criticism is this. And when you look at cinema in general, right? This is a very important thing to remember. How many of Spielberg's greatest films came later in his career versus early in his career? I mean, he has a great early and middle, but late in his career, it's only been all right. What about Christopher Nolan has some amazing films early on. He's got some good films later on. True. 
kind of the same thing I feel with George Lucas. And I think it's because when you're a visionary creator, having to truly innovate and push the limits of cinema and storytelling, part of the way that you do that is when you have executive producers and studio heads telling you no, forcing you to be creative and truly create the truly push your craft to the limits within the structure and the framework and the limitations that are put on you. Ooh, George Lucas hated that. But, but there comes got a started. point where George Lucas or Christopher Nolan or Steven Spielberg, everyone looks at them and says, how am I supposed to tell this guy no? Yeah. And the problem is, I think that with James Gunn taking such a central creative role within this DCU, he does not have the creative friction that he needs as a storyteller to truly put the best product out there. That's my major concern because I love these characters and I want to see them done right. Now, are you open to being proven wrong here? Would you love to be proven wrong? I mean, I'd love to be. I would love to be proven wrong. I mean, so you're you're rooting for its success, is what I'm saying. You're not you're not rooting for it to fail. Oh, I don't know that I'd say that. Oh, I'm expecting it to fail, and I want (laughs) it to fail. But I will be very happy to admit that I'm wrong. If, it if it's awesome, incredible. And I, hey, if you've listened to the show, I've done it with the Snyderverse. I hated Zack Snyder. I hated his vision till we got the full peek at what it truly was. And I came around and apologized to him all the time on Twitter. He doesn't respond back, but hey, at least it's out there. That does it for our discussion on the upcoming DC slate. Keep an eye on those movies, and I'm sure we'll talk about them when they come out. Speaking of that, CP, I did want to ask you before we uh, close out this episode are you planning on seeing Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania? I'm going to go. So it's not this weird, weekend, though. It is it is one of two rotten scores so far. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen it, so I don't know any spoilers or anything, and I avoid reviews until after I see a movie. But I have just been on Twitter and stuff, and the consensus was that it doesn't quite feel like a proper third film in the Ant Man trilogy, as opposed to a major setup for Kang, which. I guess what people are just complaining about is they're like, I wish maybe this movie was not more self-contained, but wasn't just be being used as a launch platform. Yeah. I think that's how people are taking it. So I'll go into it with that in mind. Still hoping it'll be really good. I mean, I think in the trailer, Kang looks great. I have no idea. The trailer's done a good job of definitely making you think that Ant-Man could die. Yep. So that's in the cards. You know, I don't know. There's enough there from a mantle standpoint. Obviously, his daughter's there. Somebody else could pick up that mantle if he yep. does go. So that was, I thought that was well done because, you know, I don't know. He might die. Well, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll so see. I'm also just looking forward to going to the movies, man. I love going. So listeners, give us your thoughts on, on the new DC slate. And if you've seen Ant-Man, let us know your thoughts. Spoiler free, please. I got to see this movie. I mean, it's my own fault. I should have gone the opening night and not waited, but uh, what are you going to do? All right. Well, that does it for our episode this week, CP. Interesting topics. Like I said, I'm very, very intrigued to see what our listeners have to say regarding possibly bringing guests on, what they think of chat GPT and how that will influence, you know, screenwriting, whether good or bad. And of course... You know, what do you guys think about the new DC slate and James Gunn in particular? Because I want to say this while we are still on air, but CP loves James Gunn and that <laughs> I just wanted that out there. Wow. <laughs> oh, just wanted to put that one in the, the interwebs too, you know? Wow. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. All right. Well, you can be sure to uh, follow along with the show at filmmakerscompass.com where we have all of our social media links as well as a uh, feed of all the newest episodes of the podcast. You can follow me at Big Kid D-Man. You can 
can follow CP at IndyCal5. Thanks for checking out this week's episode. We hope to have you back here next week. In the meantime, keep watching movies and we'll see you then.